As a kid, have you ever wondered how to make your ideas come to life? Welcome to Spark, a podcast that empowers kids to learn, create, and become. Tune in weekly to hear great ideas. Wouldn't it be great if we could sell all of these toys and make money, and then use that money to bring books to the kids in India? It's about passion. Well, whatever your passion is, just keep following it. If a nine-year-old like me could follow my passion, anybody could do it. I started following my passion when I was three and a half. It's about taking risks. Especially as a middle schooler, is you have to recognize that you have more time and more ability to take risks than anyone else. And it's about knowing how to deal with no's. I have a saying that says no is just an abbreviation for next opportunity. And so after every no, after every ten no's, you're still gonna get a yes. It can be a simple yes. It can be a really big yes. Listen to real stories about the impact you can create as a kid. I truly believe that anyone at any age can make a difference.、Um, you know, if you would have asked me and my parents if little five-year-old Catherine would have continued、uh, her fundraising efforts for so so many years and made such a big impact, we would have said, "What are you talking about? Like, there's no way that's going to happen." And also encouragement from other kids to pursue your dreams and giving back. You're never too young or too old to start a business, or you're never too young or too old to give back to charity because it's very helpful for the kids in need. All kinds of real stories about kids and adult creators who have made real impact in the world. If you want to be inspired, subscribe to Spark. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Spark. I am the host Lee. It is my greatest pleasure to invite Mr. Larry Rosenstock, who is the founding founder and CEO of the San Diego-based High Tech High, a network of charter schools, and he is also the president of High Tech High Graduate School of Education. So, in 2000, Larry started High Tech High as one of the founders, and for the past almost 20 years now, they have grown High Tech High into an educational system that has 16 schools that spread among、um, elementary school, middle school, and high schools, and thousands of students from San Diego. Graduated from High Tech High. Also, Larry has built a graduate school of education to support teachers,、um, educational leaders, and school funders to reimagine schools and innovate the learning experience. Yeah. So, hey, Larry, wonderful to have you on Spark. Yeah, it's exciting to have you to be part of the、uh, series called Change Makers in Education. So, first of all, can you introduce yourself and also the school that you have built? Okay. My name is Larry Rosenstock. I came to California about 21 years ago from Cambridge and Boston,、um, Massachusetts, where I was involved in education as well. And since being here, I was asked、uh, by Erwin Jacobs and his son Gary Jacobs if we could help create a school that had an engineering focus, because Erwin is the founder of Qualcomm、um, and had a lot to do with inventing. Something that we all use called cell phones, and they felt that they wanted to have more people going into engineering. So that's why we have the name High Tech High, and that's why a lot of our kids do go on into engineering. So that's it. And then the other couple of things about it are that we were just going to do one school, but we weren't 
knowing how to count very well. So we just kept doing more schools, I think. And we wanted to have a very strong focus on college admissions and college placement. That's great. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. Yeah. You know, uh, our show actually do not um, only invite adults creators, but also kid, uh, you know, like kid speakers and stuff like that. So um, in order to make it more kid friendly, I always ask our adult guest and say, what is your childhood look like? And what kind of student you were when you're growing up? Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about that? I was not a terrific student, I don't really think. I was just telling somebody about the time that I was in the fourth grade. And with some other boys, we cut school and didn't and went into the woods outside of the school in the Bronx. And we took, uh, I took three or four cigarettes. And I put them here. And I inhaled three or four cigarettes. And I got extremely sick. And it was a wonderful thing to happen because I can't even be in the same time zone as a cigarette and not get sick. Okay. So, so it was a really, so, but other than that, um, no, I really liked doing some things in school. I loved drawing, especially, and I loved being with my friends as well. And I loved some sports as well. And I liked math as well. So I, I kind of liked a lot of what school was about. I did. That's wonderful. Yeah. You know, I knew that um, through some research online, yeah, I knew that you did so much. Um, yeah. Like before you started the school, you did filmmaking, you worked as a carpenter, you went to law school, practiced law, and you also have been lectured at the Harvard Graduate School of Education. So can you tell us like how did they all happen and how did that shape your career and vision in education? And also, I also uh, taught at Cal Berkeley. Oh, yes. Oh, really? <laughs> I worked as a carpenter right after college. I was a psych, first of all, I was a psychology major and, and filmmaker, uh, filmmaking. And so I was actually accepted for a special program one summer at UCLA Film School and, um, and made a film, a short film there. Those of us who were picked for that competition nationwide. And that got me very interested in filmmaking. Well, I had already started, but that got me really into it. Then I started to um, work as a carpenter after after law school for some reason. Um, and I was working on a carpentry job. And, um, and there were students downstairs, little kids, uh, and a little bit older. And they started coming upstairs to hear all the noise that I was making. And so um, I started to show them how to use tools and because they were asking questions. And then they came they came at about three o'clock in the afternoon after school. And I started to realize that I was looking forward to three o'clock because my favorite part of the day was when the students came. And then the gentleman that ran that housing place said to me, you know, you're pretty good with kids. So I, he said, you should teach kids. And I remember that night that I was brushing my teeth and I looked in the mirror and I asked myself that question. And I have been working with children ever since. Oh. So then I got a job first um, teaching carpentry at Harvard's psychiatric hospital, McLean's, where I had patients there and uh, of all kinds, famous people, young people, old people, everything working on projects. That was really interesting. And I found that those students that came that were bust in from the inner city um, were the most 
interesting to me. And then I got another job working in the Boston public schools and I taught carpentry again for a few years. And then I went back to the Cambridge schools and did it. And then I became, got a leadership position in Cambridge. Actually, first I'd gotten a job at Harvard working on a certain law that Mm -hmm. addresses this question of students having technical skills, school to work opportunities law. And when I did that, um, I found that that was interesting, but I was missing working with kids. And I ran into the superintendent in Harvard Yard, the superintendent of the school district. And she said, what are you up to? And I said, well, I was thinking about going back in to teach. And she said, why don't you just become the head of the school? And I said, okay. So that's what happened. And then I did that for a while. And that was interesting. And then that gave me a little bit of a practice for what I do now. And I don't know if I'm taking too much time here, but then... um, There was a very big grant in the Clinton administration called the New American High School, and I applied for it with Rob Reardon, uh, Ted Sizer, Debbie Meyer, Howard Fuller from the Black Alliance for Education Opportunity. Some people might know all those people. And we got this very big grant, and we had a lot of money in three years to run around the country to find interesting schools. And we found some that were very interesting and we had to pick five of them. So we picked five of them. And one of the five that we picked was one of the closest schools to Mexico in the United States. And it was a very interesting and very special day where there was a young woman who was a a student who was not married and who was pregnant. And she had done a study as uh, as to whether or not the baby inside of her should be circumcised and mm-hmm. and there were 15 16 17 teenagers and they're all talking very seriously about it with no jokes and we were really impressed and that was the most interesting school that we met and that's how i landed up in san diego Got and then it. we decided to want to do a school so we did a school called high tech high And then we did another middle school called High Tech Middle, which is a pretty funny name. And then we did another, and then we did another, and then we just kept doing more. That's that's wonderful, yeah. So Larry, having been in the educational field for so many years, there must be something that drives you over the years, yeah. So if you would share something that you personally believe in, what would they be? Like I always ask our guests, you know, about the drive behind what they are doing, yeah. Project-based learning. All of us um, derive tremendous um, satisfaction from creating things and creating new knowledge, whether it's our children, which we love most of all, of course, all of us, things that you make or the ideas that you have. And so that has always been what pushes me the most, which is why here at High Tech High, the quality of student work, all the books behind me that our students have published, all the films that they've made. Uh, just this morning, um, there's a big thing that some students want to paint and they asked, uh, sent me a letter saying, can we do this, this, and this? We'll come visit. So I'll be meeting with them in 45 minutes to see where they can do it and where they could place it because it's a very big project. So yeah, it's great. What, when ki- kids when kids are creating new knowledge and building and making things, I think that that gives them a lot of agency about themselves and feeling, yeah. I, can, I can do this. You know, I personally went to art and design school too. So I have, yeah, so I have uh, done a lot of projects, you know, in my undergrad and grad- graduate school. And I knew that, you know, what it feels like if you have to do all the research, you know, do hands-on work, and later you have to present it and critique with your peers and stuff, right? So 
Do you think your filmmaking background and carpenter background like really have brought that project learning kind of experience to the school learning experience? Yeah. It led me not because I didn't. I don't do all that work because I've got a lot of really wonderful teachers. We I wanted to hire people that had that same type of interest. So we、mm. do have a lot of people who work here. So, for example, here's an example. About five miles, five hours north of San Diego, is a place where rockets are sent up, and there are several big corporations that send them up, and so does UCLA, and so does UC Berkeley, and so does the Navy,、mm-hmm. and our students down the hall in the tenth and eleventh grade have been sending up. Rockets, not for violent purposes, but for research purposes. They are the only public high school that can use that facility. They are two percent shy of breaking the sound barrier with what they have made. They were just up there again on Saturday. If you watch、mm-hmm. it, it's they have to get underground and look through the glass when when you're doing it, and you,、wow. you see the thing going, and it's all, and they're the only group. That made the entire device and did not purchase other devices,、um, and they're loving it. And it's all math, and it's all science, and it's all that. Yes. Yeah, that is wonderful. And I kept hearing you from you know other interviews. You were saying like there's certain kind of process where you go through.、Um, yeah, like can you tell us a little bit about the project learning you know process where you. You know, you start from the. You said project has a start and an end, and then what does the start and end look like? Kind of, you know, process in high tech high. Okay, to keep it simple, I'd say there are four steps for most. It's it's like what you're doing right now: observation, reflection, documentation, and exhibition. First, you're observing. You're a very smart person. You're running this thing. You're looking around. Oh, who else could I get? Oh, I'm going to get this guy, Larry. This and that. So, so you're, you're observing, right? You're you're、yeah. looking around. Observation. You're reflecting on all the different complexities to how you do it. Observation, reflection, documenting. You're going to use various media to document your observations and your reflections, and then observation, and then. Observation, reflection, documentation, exhibition, and here's the exhibition right now. It's a very standard foursome of things that most of us do when we're、mm-hmm. creating anything. We like to keep it simple. Yeah. yeah. So our、uh, kids, have, our、yeah. kids have published hundreds of books. I mean, I can take some down and hold them up if you. Yes, I would love to see it. Yeah, I would love to check it out. Oh, they're right here. Then okay, here we go. Here we go. Very, very good. Okay, so here is a project that uh just right next to my desk. So this is over four years. I only have the five years. Okay. So first, there was a teacher who is a scientist, and we are right next to a boat channel, which is right near us because we're right near the Pacific Ocean. And so this was the first book that was done by a class, and they did a book about the a field guide to the Bay of San Diego, and then also. Jane Goodall, who's a very famous person, she heard they were doing it, and she asked if she could do the、uh, forward to it, and that's a pretty good book. Wow! That was the first one. The next one was because the next one was that they the next class the next year did a book about the exploitation. And of of the water because we don't take good care of it, and then the restoration and how that could be done. And there she wrote it again 
uh, she wrote a little sign, a thank you at the bottom. And this is a study that looks at the Bay Area wow. by the second grade. This is another class. Then there was one where the next one was uh, biomimicry in which they were looking at how biomimicry happens. And they were also had um, some famous people who gave them signs. And then they looked at all of the flora and fauna that were there. Okay. And then they had a call, a call for, for conservation. And that was yet another book that they did. And here's uh, E.O. Wilson, very famous scientist at Harvard who studies ants, among other things, and Jane Goodall again. And this is just all about all of the things that exist out in the water. And these, all of these books, or five of them over five years, they were all done by students. So, wow. and so now there's a series of books that we have, that we have that have, that, that came out of that. So how old are these students? 10th grade. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then, and then what kind of class were they taking? Science class. Science class. It's not even a writing or graphic design class. <laughs> well, that's a whole delicate subject because the committee of 10 in, 18, in uh, 1897 said English, history, math, and science. And the committee of 10 were 10 industrialists and they said English, history, math, and science. And everybody knows those four because when you apply to college, that's what it is and everything else. However, there's a lot else that it really could be, but that's the way it is, and that's what colleges expect when you apply there. So you have to have a yeah. transcript that shows them. You know, uh, the reason actually I found uh, High Tech High is I looked at this news from Business Insider. They listed like 14 innovate, most innovative schools, you know, in the U.S., and they describe High Tech High as a school that creates entrepreneurs. So since I'm also very passionate about, you know, kids entrepreneurship, and can you tell me how High Tech High connecting the real world, uh, you know, into the learning, like one, the book is another, you know, like one part of the project and letting students to create something that could potentially go out into the market and really use it. How do you connect to the real world? And why is that so important? Yeah. And, yes. Yeah. And it's so important because when you graduate from school, you're about to be in the real world. And the unfortunate thing about saying that is what some people make a joke about that school isn't really the real world and, but and then you have to just go out into it so why not make schooling like the real world there's so many examples i could give i want to give you another that i wish i could show you at our forum which is uh, about uh, a five minute walk from here which is where our grad school is there's a map and it's a three-dimensional map and it's a map of san diego all the way down to mexico and I saw that in a fifth or sixth grade classroom. And it's beautifully done. I wish I had it to show you. Um, and it's three-dimensionally beautiful done in wood. And what happened was the teacher got a bus and took the students down to the border of Mexico. And the bus left and they walked as far as they could to San Diego. Oh, my. <laughs> Taking pictures, writing notes. And then the bus at the end of the day picked them up and took them back to school. The next day, the bus drove them back to where they had been picked up the day before and kept going. And then the next day and then the next day and over five or six days, they had mapped the distance from Mexico to here and how much it looks and seems more Mexican and more less Mexican the closer you get to here, which was a great 
lesson to learn about the, the neighborhoods and everything about this metropolitan area. And it's three-dimensional and it's beautiful. And it also is a map. So it's right where we have our grad school, where we have a lot of thousands of people come every every year. And they go to that. I see that on the wall. And then people go over it and use it as the map. They don't even know the whole story about it, but they use it to get around. Wow, that's that's wonderful. Yeah, it looks like the project-based learning is not only connecting the real world, but also the communities around them, like the San, you know, like San Diego Bay, and also the the Mexico border, you know, like where the student can really walk into the community and do stuff. So that's another aspect, I think, like making the community community connection. Yeah. So is that a big part of High Tycoon? I have. Okay, I'm going to bring something over. Hold on. Yes. Yes. Okay. When we were in Cambridge, colleagues and I, Adria Steinberg and Rob Reardon, had this very complex project that I'm looking at. And and you see how it's so white because it's been in the sun here too much. This this is how the city works. So this is something I recommend to everybody who might be listening to this. Make your city the text, because everybody in your school, every adult, every child, there's one thing of the many things that they know or don't know. The thing that they really know is the place where they live. So begin with where they live, and then you can work out where did they come from, how they get here, etc. What are the big industries? What industries did it used to have that it doesn't have anymore? What other industries might it have in the future? Yes, making the city the text is a wonderful beginning for anybody doing this type of work. Yeah, and and really, if it became a real project, the student can actually see impact in the community where they live. Yeah, like that. You know, Larry, our series is about change makers in education today. We have talked a lot about you know the the project learning, but actually, the topic I wanted to uh, focus on where you have talked a lot about is. Most memorable learning experience because this has been a project you guys right have been used for many years to train better teachers, and that's the base of many of the important but also common principles that you use. Can you share with me maybe some of your most memorable learning experiences? When I cut school when I was young and smoked four cigarettes and got very sick, and it made me not like cigarettes anymore. But we all have those memorable learning experiences, and so think about them because they they taught you something. And so if you're a teacher or a parent and you're wondering about how to start this stuff, just take it out of your own life because all of us have those every single. And again, I'll repeat: observation. Reflection, documentation, and exhibition, or some other words that you might use. You first, you're going to say, "Okay, I, I'm going to think. What was that experience?" And then you're going to think about it. Then you're going to reflect on it. Then you're going to document it, and then you're going to share it. It's it's so simple. So that's what I think. Yes, yes. Is that why in high tech had like why teachers are called designers too because they can design their own experience through their Yes, they have a lot of freedom to do that type of work. 
So, so because for me, the most memorable learning experience was like when I was in middle school. One of the teacher actually encouraged me to like to pursue art and also say, "Oh, you are so good at art. You should be better at other subjects too." So that kind of recognition and re- encouragement really made me thrive in other subjects. So, right? Yeah, that kind of encouragement from teachers are actually important. Yeah, I told you when I was working in that settlement house. They're called settlement houses where immigrants. Were- Would send their kids after school,、uh, and that's where the the gentleman who ran it. When I when the kids came up to work, and do, heard the carpentry, and he said, "You should be working with children." That probably changed my life more than anything was when he said that. Yeah, because people from stand from outside point, you know, perspective and tell you something that you probably have never thought about, right? Yeah. Yeah, we talked about a little bit about the、uh, specific examples. That's great. Yeah. Oh, what about personalized learning?、Uh, this is another popular term, you know, in education realm.、Um, in your case, if the cl- class is started growing and getting bigger in terms of size, and if the school started to expand, and how can you achieve this kind of personalized learning for every student? Well, that's why we keep our schools smaller because I have、mm. I worked in. Um, a five-story building back in in the Boston area, which was very very different because you didn't know everybody. So, for example,、um, my closest colleague there was teaching、um, reading and writing on the top floor, and I was teaching carpentry in the basement. So there we were, very very good friends and completely apart. And when we started to work together, we realized. We should integrate. We should. We need to integrate those those two things. We got this big grant from the federal government when we left the high school.、Um, there was a young woman who was an immigrant named Claudia, and the job that she'd gotten through the internship—that's what internships are for. We were creating this idea of internships, and under the law that I had worked on with some others, you were able to do something. Again, if you were 16 years old, so Claudia was working on a piece of land that was right by the river in Cambridge, and it had been a gas station, so it was very, very toxic. So her job was to do a scientific study of the big rectangle of what used to be there, and to be able to track where the toxins would be and how. We would go about getting rid—not us, but get rid of all the toxins, so that it could be made into something else. And she was working with scientists in her internship, and she was very, very impressive. She was also a very, very tiny person, and、uh, from another country. And we were invited to the to see the president, so that she could present. Her work. There were five students from around the United States who were invited, and we had Claudia be one of them because the work that she did was so impressive. And it happened to be President Bill Clinton. And I was standing next to her when she explained the complexity of that job, and he said to her, "Well,、um, this has really been fascinating, and thank you so much for coming here to D.C. to share it with me." And she said, "Well." Um, I want to thank you、um, because、um, 
um, I'm, I'm really nervous about presenting this uh, to my, to, uh, I mean, I'm really nervous not about presenting it to you. I'm really nervous about pre- presenting this to the scientists I work with tomorrow. So I really appreciate an opportunity for a dry run with you today, which was really sweet. And he loved it, of course. She's explaining it to the president, and she's actually more concerned about the scientists the next day. Yeah, that's what she really, you know, cares about to work in the future. Is also is a scientist too. Yeah, so internship is something that、um, big picture learning, you know, as Dr. Dennis Leakey has been. So it's like almost, you know, similar kind of principle, but yeah, utilized in a different ways. Yeah. So what about technology, like in terms of you know achieving project based learning or or personalized learning? Do you think technology can play any role in this、um, whole education realm? And and how can we achieve you know like better education nowadays? Yeah, by doing using a technology. Yeah. This is technology. And this is technology, right? So making things—it's about making things. I like—I happen to like wood in particular. That is my favorite thing to work on. So occasionally, I will, if I need to keep things together, I will make a little beautiful wooden box to put them in, and that makes me feel relaxed when I do that. But I've also made films, and I've also, you know, and or I'm talking about the rockets. It's all, even everything. Is technology, so、mm-hmm. the idea is to have them using it in order to create something. And I like to say, if possible, make something that wasn't there before. I mean,、mm-hmm. it's really what you're doing right now. You're trying to you're trying to pull out from me and the other people that you're talking to by using this technology, different conversations of different experiences, all of which add up to a big collection of a body of work. That you're doing, and that's what we're doing here. It's really the same thing that you're doing. Got it. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's the it's the essence of doing things, not really say what kind of media it is. Even like any type of material, it could be you know like using techniques to build it, but you can also build website, right? And all those involve technology. Wonderful, yeah. So I consider education a very noble field that can change people's life. But a lot of times we focus on、uh, teaching the more important things.、Um, you know, when we focus on teaching, say, character building, hands-on skills, and problem solving, it's hard to reflect them in a test or score. So how would you measure success of a student, especially? In those kind of soft skill, you know, aspect, and how do you educate parents who may not be on the same page? You know, they don't see the, you know, the the mathematical score or something like going up, and then they will concern. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's a really good question. I, if it's a fair answer, we use college admission and college completion as the indicator. So that means that if we are doing something that is unusual.、Um, The students are publishing books. I mean, okay, that's so apparent. I should say, well, I don't. Is that? I mean, no one really says this anymore. But in the beginning, well, is that a really good use of their time? But then, when they found out that the co- that the colleges were loving this and the students were going to really, really good colleges, then the parents really started to feel relaxed. But at first, there was a little bit of a, of an anxiety about it. So, in terms of how do you know? That it's working or not, rightly or wrongly, we think it's whether you got into a good college and you succeeded there and you finished in college. And there are some people that think 
that maybe that's a little passe and maybe college isn't the answer. I, I'm not going to say that that's wrong. I'm just going to say, because for some, some, we know some very brilliant people in the world who dropped out of college or didn't go to college and were are amazing what they did. But we still think one way of looking at it is when you get out of high school, kind of like when I smoked the cigarette in the fourth grade, you know, um, it's dangerous to go out into the world after high school. And and maybe college is a little bit of a dangerous place to go to, too, because of abuse of, of alcohol or whatever, something like that. And maybe it's safer than being on the street, though. And, you know, yeah. and so so those are a question that parents really have to answer. But we found our answer to that question. So the people that are on our college placement team at the beginning of this year that I'm, I'm pointing to um, where our board meets at the beginning of this year, all of the college placement officers from our high schools, all five of them, presented their data from last spring of kids going to college. And my board jumped up out of their seats and gave them a standing ovation for the results of kids going to college. I've never even heard of a board having a standing ovation in my life. Okay. And the other thing about us that's interesting is this thing about a zip code based lottery because a zip code based lottery has given us a very, very wide uh, diversity. So I'll give you a couple of numbers, okay, out of our thousands of students. They are um, 72% of color. They're 50% free and reduced lunch, which is an indicator of income. They're uh, 11, 13% special ed, and they're 97% college going. So that has made us who we are. Getting it's like it's like launch velocity, like those students that are sending up the rockets. What we're really trying to do with children is give them launch velocity. We're trying to get them launched into the world. And also trying to make the school a place that's not apart from the world. That's another that's like the part of that's the whole thing about city works that I showed you. Schools should not be like a citadel that's all bar that's all out not connected to the outside world. You've got to bring the outside world in and you've got to bring the students out. I've given several examples of that shooting up rockets, the bo- the the uh the bus that took them from Mexico to here, you know, a, a student going to meet the president, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Seems like you have so many great like philosophies that you know you're really using that to teach like future educators and leaders in education too. Yeah, is that why you created the Graduate School of Education? That's why. <laughs> yes, yes. I, you know, as a like as an entrepreneur, I always um you know cur- I'm always curious of other entrepreneurs and saying what it takes for you to start something from the very beginning and really stick to it and till this point of the project where you have expanded to such a large mission yeah so can you tell me a little bit about uh, like the first very first school you built and also the very first graduate school for education that you built and how did that grow well the first school is the one that i'm sitting in right now and and i have been in i do go home at night but i have been here uh since before the school opened this this was a navy building these were all old navy buildings the navy had left a long time before and i'll give you an example we began so the first thing we decided to do before we even were ready to open we invited students from around the city one-on-one to come in here and tell us what they thought about their school and what they would want their school to be like. And I remember one young woman, because the walls weren't painted, 
they were they were they were really really dirty and it was an old old yellow because the navy's yellow and blue and and at the end of my interview with this one young woman uh long now time 21 years ago um at the end she was about to to leave and she said i've got one question for you i said what's that she said is there going to be a walls committee she said, a walls committee. I said, a walls committee? She said, yeah, you've looked, you've seen the walls in this place. <laughs> so, so it was so dirty. So I said, oh, yes, we will have a walls committee and you can, you can be on it. Yeah. So, so we began, um, with a, with just a ninth grade because you don't, you know, because when you start an elementary school and if you start a middle school and you start a high school, you don't want to start with kids who are going to graduate and move on right away because it won't work that well. You really have to bring them in slowly. In fact, um, I had a little bit of a challenge getting the license from the city to open the school that first day because we are within a mile of the Pacific Ocean. Uh, one great thing about California, we've got very, very strict laws about that. And I had lots of students that were heading this way that first morning. And the head of the building department said, well, I can't really give this to you because, you know, you because it's everything you did is really great. But there's this question about the Coastal Commission. And I said, well, I think there's about two, two or three hundred families coming this way right now. And they're going to be here in 20 minutes. So I know how I want to look in the newspaper tomorrow. How do you want to look? And he said, okay, I'll give you the license. I said, okay, thank you. Wonderful. Yeah, Larry. Um, to wrap up, well, I would like to maybe you giving out some suggestions yeah, to our kids, to the kids who are still in school, who um, may, you know, like work hard toward the future and who may or may not like, you know, the current school system or things that they learn at this point. And uh, what would you say? Yeah. And how would you encourage them? I came in this morning and on my desk was this from some students. Okay. And they're, they are athletes and they want to make this mural and put it up in our gymnasium. And they're coming to see me to see if they can do it. Now, yes, they will be able to do it. However, we have this big gymnasium with these walls that we don't want to paint on. So they're about to find out, yes, you can do it on a sheet of wood and we will oh. hang it there because we want the flexibility of moving it, changing it, whatever. That's all. So yes, yeah, so wow. we have students who like the rockets going up and like the hammering our, the teacher in this class across from me went to MIT. He's a young guy. And they're, I don't even know what they're all making, but there's a lot of hammering going on. It's really loud because the hammering, that's another thing about science. It comes through the ground. It comes through the, we're, we're at the ground level. So it really comes right through. And, and I don't mind it. But before having this conversation, I said, would you please just wait for half an hour? Because otherwise, everybody on this will be hearing <laughs> yes 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 that's wonderful yeah just keep doing what they like and then have the courage to pursue it yeah yeah and that is my main my main um, suggestion to you and everyone do not stop thank you so much that's the chat with larry rosenstock a wonderful and charismatic educational leader who himself is a strong believer and practitioner for project-based learning 
That's why all the students in High Tech High are encouraged to build anything they want, dream whatever they want to be, and also solve any problems around their communities and thus change the world. One thing especially sticks out to me is how those tenth grade students were able to complete a whole book project from a science class. It is not only the science knowledge I knew that the students were learning, but also many other subjects like writing, designing, computer technology, and team collaboration, etc. So overall. It's just a wonderful thing that Larry created such a an educational system that empowers students' creativity and also hands-on skills. At the same time, training other teachers to teach with project-based learning philosophy. Thanks, Larry, for your sincere and open chat with me, and thanks for everyone who's listening to Spark, where all kids are empowered to learn, create, and become. I'm the host Lee. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Spark Creators podcast at peachandplumlab.com.